I'm Dean Lacey and welcome to the podcast. Joining myself and Dave this week for a powwow is club chairman Mick Bond. Mick joined the club when he was 12 years old, so getting close to 50 years as a member now. Mick had a successful sprint career, winning the English school's 100 metre title in 1977. He started coaching at the age of 30 and has since worked with over 100 athletes, including Daryl Nita when she won the English schools. Mick also organises the Greenwich Schools programme as a way of encouraging athletics in schools and helping club recruitment. During the episode we discuss coaching during lockdown, the track reopening, as English schools win, as well as the future of team competitions and retention of athletes at the club. Let's jump into it. So Mick, how have, uh, how have you been during lockdown? I've been good. I've had a good lockdown so far. Um... I had a bit of time off work, um, things all went very quiet um, and then it sort of slowly got busier which was actually quite good because I was getting bored. Um, so yeah, I actually did four days this week, so um, which is the most I've done so it. far. Then <laughs> um, started doing a bit of coaching on the side and things like that, so yeah, it's been good. Um, Christine's decorated the house, um, I've assisted occasionally. You're looking a bit sunburned. Right. Have you been spending too much time under that covered bum? I've been doing what? Have you been? <laughs> you look a bit sunburned. Have you been spending too much time under that covered bum? <laughs> I, I I do like a little bit of sun occasionally, so I have ventured out in the garden. Yeah, um, I even went to the coast. I didn't go to Bournemouth. Um, but yeah, it's been good. Must have been one of uh, very few people that didn't go to Bournemouth that weekend. Seemed pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty busy. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you've, it might have uh, been hard to find a spot on the beach, I think. But uh, I think uh, we went uh, two days before, so we were sort of not guilty. Not, not to oh, Bournemouth, okay. but uh, we went to the coast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, the weather's put paper and, and everyone's back to normal now. Picnics are off, everyone's back inside. It's now mass gatherings in the uh, the beer garden, basically, isn't it? Well, of course, the big thing that will stop them going to the beach now is that the track's open. Hey. Oh, yes. Yes. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, pleased with that. I was down last night doing a bit of, uh, with my athletes. That was quite nice. You know, quite, uh, Some of them I've been seeing um, during lockdown, but others, like the javelin throwers, it was the first time back last night. It's not many places you can throw in ja- javelin other than a track, really. Uh, yeah, happy days. I mean, I went down on Tuesday and um, it was a bit weird. Um, it felt like the first day at school, people were sort of hanging around, where they were, you know, keeping distant, not not uh, coming too near. But um, yeah, it was quite nice to be back, wasn't it? Um, quite nice to be doing some routine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not busy because it's sort of limited to how many people we can have in the facility at any one time and that sort of thing. But you just got to you got to jump through these health and safety hoops for a while yet, yeah, I think. It's, um, it's the way it is, isn't it? Was that sort of the, uh, the biggest issue with getting the, uh, the track open, just having to go through all the health and safety issues? Was that like a major roadblock? Um, yeah, there's sort of um, GLL weren't particularly sort of um, uh, enthusiastic to start with. They just wouldn't reply to emails and God knows what. And then... Finally, we, we sort of exerted a bit of political pressure. It seemed to work very quickly, and suddenly they were all keen, but they, they did have a bunch of health and safety stuff. I mean, initially, I think we were sort of a maximum of 25 people at any one time, 
and by sort of showing them how things could work, we've got up to about 50. We can take it any one time. Um, but some of the coaches haven't come back at the moment as well. So um, all the spaces are getting filled. Um, but, um, it's better than it could have been, certainly. I think Phil Pape did a, so quite a bit of work as well, didn't he? Sort of gathering people's money and getting a list together and things like that. And I think he might have got a little idea from this earlier, one of these earlier podcasts, I think there's a seed in his ear, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, so I'm led to believe. But it was good that um, it seemed to work pretty smoothly on Tuesday. I didn't see anyone sort of turning up and not paying or having not paid. It seemed to, I don't, what was no, Thursday I mean, Phil, that was smooth. Yeah, I mean, Phil's been a star. You know, I mean, he's taken on... Effectively, you know, if everybody books, he's, he can be doing with sort of 150 emails and 150 bank transfers each week. And then he said he's going to be down there every night checking everybody in. So, you know, big time commitment from his behalf. So he's, mm. been, he's been cracking. You know, and there's other Pete Wishart, Noel Carmody, um, uh, Barry Ferguson, all behind the scenes sort of making things happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, we sort of turned things around. I think we had the first GLL meeting on... Tuesday and we more or less cracked everything by the Friday um, so that the sort of stuff could go out to the members Saturday ready for the next Tuesday so you know seven day turnaround from once we've got GLL on the table um, but yeah Phil's been a star you know it's not it's 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 an interesting you know whether you go down this route you know where we hire the track and, and take the money I mean there's a big sort of admin that come, comes with it Oh, it's no small undertaking, is it? I mean, you, you really have to think about no. it. And whether it's just a short-term thing, you, 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 yeah, you have to think. It's a, it's a different proposition long-term as well. It's two, it's two different questions, really, isn't it? Short-term and long-term. Yeah, and both are sort of, you know, financially, whether they, they work out. You know, we, uh, moment, you know, we need to get uh, about 150 people a week through the track to break even. I mean, we've kind of accepted that that won't happen straight away and the club's going to sort of you know the club's just once the track opens so we'll pick up the shortfall but you can't sort of sustain that in the in the long term no um, so, uh, and no, the tricky thing's going to come isn't it after sort of a few months we can sort of do it for a few months you can carry the can for a while and then it's what then in it i mean under the old arrangement i suppose it was it was the council of gll that hold the baby if they don't make enough money that you know they don't make enough money through the through, through who comes through the gate but obviously, it's tricky for us to hold the baby if we're not breaking even. Well, that's it. You, 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 the sort of old arrangement, there's no risk, basically. You know, if it's pouring rain and nobody turns up, there's no risk to the club. You know, um, GLL to sort of take the, um, the shortfall. Um, but on the other hand, you know, you, if, if you get a good deal, you, it could actually become a, a moneymaker for the club. Mm. You know, um, uh, uh, and you can sell it, you know, if you do the sort of um, people are coming down and they, you know, they're not joining the club, they pay one fee. But if they join the club, they pay a second fee. So it's sort of, you know, you get money both through the gate, but you can also get money from people joining the club as well. And it'd be quite nice, Dean, wouldn't it, if sort of snides and sort of turncoats stop going to other tracks and come back to ours now? Uh, you could well, possibly say that, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know anyone yeah, not, not supporting our track now, Dean? Anyone come to mind? <laughs> um, not off the top of my head, no, I can't think of anyone. I mean, you've no, no excuse now. You should be coming back down to Sutcliffe Park. We need your money. It's not going to. Uh... <laughs> uh, 
Uh, unfortunately, I think it'll be a, a few more weeks before I'm coming back down to, to any sort of track. I've been listening to these podcasts and every week, um, Dean, you say, I'm going to do some more miles next week. And, you know, it's four miles occasionally at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, no, I managed uh, three decent days last week. I was out uh, eight miles on Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. I haven't done anything week. this week yet, though. But, yeah, it was a big mileage week last week. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's only Friday now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But with the baby coming along, I don't think there's going to be a, an awful lot of time for running for a few weeks, at least. Yeah. Oh, get one of them prams. Everyone's got one of the prams now. Baby in the pram, off you go. Yeah, I don't trust myself running with one of those to be fair. I think the baby will go flying. Well, you go in the pram then. I'll let Tracy push you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what she'd say to that. Anyone see the uh, farcical um, track race that was, the, the, what's it called? The one where they're doing three different, three different venues and three people on track. And what's his face? The American... Uh, they did oh, a, Noah Lyles, yeah. Or 150, I can't remember. And he started from... Yeah, it was meant to be 200 metres, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he ran 15 metres short. <laughs> so I said, oh, it's a world record by a second. It's a world record. That's, that's a great example. You know, they've got all the technology in the world going on, you know, coordinating the start across sort of three continents and stuff like that. Got they, haven't got a de- they haven't got a decent, a decent marksman to tell him where to start from. I mean, that'd be a case uh, whoever that was. <laughs> It was Crammy's reaction as well when he saw the time. He was like, oh, that can't be right. Can't be right. <laughs> yeah, actually, to be fair to Crammy, he was, he, was, he was immediately on the ball. He, he didn't even <laughs> yeah. was he? He was, he was immediately going, that can't be right. I think that's a good point. When you've got a commentator who knows what they're talking about, that's, uh, you, know, you get a decent, you know, um, oh, it's not, oh, another world record. Hey, it's, <laughs> you must be joking. My, that's my reaction now when, when uh, they do break a world record and I think they're on drugs because it's like, no, 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 that, that can't be right. Before the track did reopen, what did you have your group doing, Mick? Or did you actually have a group? Was anyone um, interested in still training? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think when lockdown first happened, I just sort of shut everything down for a few weeks and then um, got in touch with people and um, we started doing... Um, Went over to Marion Wilson Park in Charlton. There's a nice sort of there's a variety of hills and steps and all sorts you can do. And um, I had because we were on this sort of um, one to five ratio thing. I had uh, a group of male sprinters, then a group of female sprinters, and then a group of well, sort of 400 400 hurdlers. So we sort of uh, about hour and a half intervals, which is good for them because they get lots of individual attention. It's just yeah. I'm, I was there for five hours. Which, um, <laughs> It's not particularly efficient <laughs> coaching, but there we go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was just keeping them engaged, a little bit of fitness, um, stuff like that. I, don't, I sent them all out some bits and pieces to do at home, but I don't think many of them actually did it. Um, and certainly didn't do it for long, I don't think. Um, they, they need sometimes a bit of someone to keep them, uh, keep them going. But that seemed to work quite well. And then... Then I added a Wednesday night. We went to Suckley Park and did some stuff just out on the grass uh, and similar sort of basis, three groups. Um, and just sort of added a little bit more things in. 
try to do some some new stuff, try out a few things that you know, uh, introduce some, some new skills, just to stuff to give them a sort of head start when we get back on the track. Main problem though is um, until you've got some actual races sort of in the diary, when you know something's going to happen, it's always difficult to a to build a plan and b to sort of keep some motivation. Uh, it's been okay. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing. I mean, what are you aiming now to, you know, maybe do some races at the end of the season or are you just sort of thinking about getting ready for the indoors? Um, I mean, there's a couple of people who would be, be good for them to race. Um, and But I'm not sure what races are going to be there, to be honest with you. You know, um, and, and indoors is, you know, a question mark over indoors, you know, all those sort of um, outdoors, isn't it? Surely, in the yeah, I mean, the whole sort of you know, everything's up till now has been outdoors is okay, but indoors is a big problem. And you know, so event wise, you know, if you get a crowd of people indoors, it's sort of a a big no no at the moment. So, um, I mean, Lee Valley should open indoors in sort of three or four weeks' time if I can jump through a whole bunch of health and safety hoops there. Um, but that's just for training, you know, for events, yeah. especially sort of things like spectators. Um, gets more and more problematic. Um, uh, you know, if, if the virus count keeps going down and down and down, then, you know, might be okay. But um, the second wave hits, you know, it just puts everything off a bit further. So, yeah, again, what you're aiming for, working, what you're working towards, Probably next summer, realistically. Um, that's just a long way away for some of them. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult to try and keep yourself motivated with, you know, that sort of end goal still being so far away. Yeah. I mean, I noticed yeah. this week that both uh, Berlin and New York have cancelled their marathon, which must mean, I can't believe London can do those now in October. I just can't see how that can... No, I'm surprised that they're taking so long to actually just confirm that they're not gonna not gonna run it. Yeah, I can't see I how it can go ahead. The BMC are, are trialing this race in a couple of weeks for 800 meters at Stratford, um, all in lanes. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be interesting. I wonder how many people will still break at the. Uh, Oh, I've seen the risk assessment for that, and um, um, it's, it's three athletes plus a pacemaker. Yeah. Um, you have to have the sort of fastest athlete towards the outside lanes to try and prevent any overtaking. Um, and um, you know, it's, a, it's just a, it's like a time trial for each person, really. You know, I mean, they'll get a time, but that's about it, I think. Um, is it? going to be anything meaningful I don't know and you're not going to get through many numbers I mean it's going to be a, a very long meeting or you're going to have a, you know just very few people running yeah I mean I think that there's, there's some stuff that the guidance that came out yesterday from the government I've been reading to some of the stuff and you know you're you're allowed to be within the two meter you know you can be close to people like in football you can tackle and stuff like that as, as long as it's um the time you're spent actually close to someone is is fairly limited. So, you know, I, I think athletics, if they do things right, you know, say, well, I'm going to run 100 metres, I'm going to be alongside this person for 
20 seconds at the start when we're getting ready and then a maximum of 12 seconds in a race so it's 32 seconds we're all facing the same way and and you know you can sign off your risk assessment that yeah. way um but you know i think each sport has to produce these sort of guidelines and present them at sport england and get them signed off from sport england so and that's going to take time for the longer races so if you took like a 5k in theory you could be next to somebody for 20 minutes if you're running on the show, yeah. what yeah. you're going to do, you can't tell somebody to drop back or run wide. Or, you know, that's where it's going to become tricky, isn't it, on those distances, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. It's like, same, same with cross country. You know, um, you can you know, you can you can say to the start, don't arrive at the start until ten seconds before you do it go. But that's what <laughs> once about anyway. Yeah. <laughs> ten seconds after, I think normally. Um, but after that, you know, uh, do you run alongside someone? Is it okay if you're facing the same way? You know, I, I read some research about the worst place to be is dead behind somebody. You know, so the way the airflow comes out their their mouth and then sort of goes back into the slipstream behind you. But, so you know, Dean, you won't be able to just sit on somebody's uh, sit behind people anymore, maybe. Yeah, well, the way it's going, <laughs> I'll be sitting at the back of the field. I think. <laughs> Catching it off for Mark Nor or someone. <laughs> it's funny because you talk about you know the close contacts and everything, and you know rugby. Have uh, I think I don't know whether they're just going back into sort of you know a bit of contact in training, but already there's like a I think there's ten people, so there's ten ten players and like two playing staff already in the Premiership that have have, have now got symptoms of of the virus. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it does show that, yeah, you still got to be careful with our, how we move, how we move forward with these things. Indeed. Yeah. So who knows what's going to happen? Uh, I think competition next summer is probably most likely. And even then, you know, second waves, vaccines, who knows? Yeah. What's going to happen? I did notice last night I was in Greenwich Park and there was... Um, a chap came up to us, we'd just been for a run, and a chap came to us and said, oh, are you here for the uh, the virtual race? <laughs> and we said, uh, no. He says, oh, right then. So he hangs around, and basically, um, I think it was through Meetup, I can't be certain, but um, a, a number of people have arranged to meet to run. We, we guessed it must have been a 5K around Greenwich Park, and they all assembled right. this. Uh, and then suddenly they all took off. <laughs> People being creative, I think. The, the, the English schools are running some bizarre um, virtual competition whereby you um, you go and run 100 metres with your you know your stopwatch and then you send in your own time to them and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I think there's a few sort of 8.5 100-metre races going on and, um, you know, 2-metre 40 high jumps because somebody's mucked up how to measure the high jump and, and stuff like that. So and probably using the same marksman as uh, Noah Lyles did last night. Indeed, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, English schools, Mick, mm -hmm. didn't you uh, do quite well, 1977? I did, I did, yeah. I was, uh, yeah, I won. <laughs> so, um, this is quite nice. Topic, hasn't it? I reckon you've paid Dean to sort of say, listen, if you talk about the English schools when I won I'll buy you a pint this time, I'll see you. <laughs> I've, I've been living <laughs> off that race. 
the last sort of 40 years, I must admit. Go on, then, mate. You know? Take us through. We're all too young to remember it. How did it go? Well, well, I'd, I'd, I'd run really... It was slightly windy at uh, uh, Barnet Coptal Stadium, I have to say that. Was it still um, Cinders, then? No, no, this was Tartan. Um, it was one of the first championships that was on Tartan. Um, in fact, uh, I always tell this story, actually. I first ran in 74 at Shrewsbury, um, when the heats in the semi and the semi-final of the hundred were on the grass in the middle of the track, <laughs> uh, and I made the final that year. But I came last in the final uh, that year, and then two years later I was third. And then um, uh, this was Barnet Copter was the first one on tartan tracks, and uh, I ran ten five in the heat with absolute howling gale behind me. But that was a championship best at the time. Um, and then in the, uh, I ran a slower semi, and in the final, I was so nervous and uh, I really um, didn't start well, which was never my forte anyway. And I just sort of, um, everything went out the window and it was just sort of desperately trying to get to the finish line before everybody else. But, uh, but I did. So, um, I beat a guy called Harry King, who's still a mate of mine, um, who later broke the British record over 60 metres. So um, it's always a good scalp. I remind him of that every so often. <laughs> but yeah, they were good times. Who you coached in, in that, that period? <laughs> it was coaching me, uh, a guy called Malcolm Coomba. Um, he worked with me, Pete Wishart, who's our coaching sec these days. Um, uh, a sort of bunch of um, good sprinters, 400 metre runners um, in the club. Most of our training was done at Charlton Park, to be honest with you, on the grass and on the cinders there. Um, but he was, um, he was a good coach. And, uh, you know, um, Taught me a lot in lots of ways about athletics, about life. So, uh, yeah, and I think Mount was one of the reasons I sort of keep my involvement in the club. You know, uh, I always felt I owed quite a lot to athletics. So I'm always very happy putting stuff back in. So you have been involved in the club a long time. Um, you probably must be one of the... You've been... Well, you're on today because you you're the head honcho of Cambridge Harris, of course, and you... The, you People can't see that, but you are sat here with your chairman's chain around your neck. Um, and, and I know you never, you, you never like to take it off. Um, a question for you. How long have you been chairman and what changes have you seen? Um, I've been chairman, uh, difficult to say, about, about a good 10 years, I, I imagine. Um, Who do you take um, over? Things, sorry? Who do you take Who do I take over? over? Um, Mick Ellsmore. Mick Ellsmore. So what, if it's, what, what changes would you describe to people if they ne- never, haven't seen those changes in the time? What's different about the club as it was then as it is now? Both good and bad. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the big changes is sort of Sutcliffe Park in terms of the facility that's there. You know, that's, that's a huge change for us, really. Um, and we probably are one of the luckiest clubs in, in the country, probably, in terms of, you know, Greenwich Council just putting six million quid in uh, that facility for us. I mean, that was weird, wasn't it? It was just like a bolt out of the blue, wasn't it? It was like all of a sudden, bam. Oh, I mean, right. I, yeah. I've been lobbying in the council. Yeah, I've been lobbying the council for about sort of 20 years. For, you know, first to get the initial tartan track built at Sutcliffe and then for sort of the indoor area. And, you know, um, never really thought it would come no. off. And, oh. and then, then all of a sudden, yeah, we're going to do this. So, uh, what do you want? And, um, yeah, very quickly went on from there. So, um, so yeah. So in terms of changes, certainly the the, the track, um, 
change the personnel, you know. Um, Eric Nashi was secretary, um, retiring. Mark Cross taking over, doing a good job, job there. Um, you know, always looking to find new people to come into the club and, and help to make the club work. So Easier or harder now then? Has that changed? I think it gets harder. People's time becomes more precious, you know, and, and they're that little bit more reticent about um, making commitments um, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, that gets tougher. Um, people people see me come in and run the other way generally because they, they know generally I'm going to ask them to do something. Yeah, well, you've got quite a reputation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't well, seen Dean for months. That's the late night show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in terms of other changes, you know, the teams sort of go up and down. Um, I think Power of Ten has been a big change in the sport. Uh, you know, that came in 10, 15 years ago, properly, I guess. Um, is that good? Is that, <clears throat> what, are the, what are the pros and cons to how that's impacted upon? I think um, big pro in terms of, you know, it's, it's very quick. It's up to date. It's, you know, exactly where you are. People are very interested in where they are on power of 10, you know, where they are in the rankings, um, looking at their own uh, portfolio and things like that. Um, there's a little bit that people... Are people obsessed a little bit by it now, this type of thing? Instead of yeah, a little bit. So sometimes you get people, well, I'm not going to race because uh, I'm not in shape and yeah. I don't want that time on my, my profile. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we've got sirens in your background and I've got the phone in my background, Dean, so <laughs> don't worry. Um, so, right, so I mean, going back, going back to, to, to Power of Ten, you know, I think people, people, especially the youngsters, and I think the old people really get into it. You know, it's, and you see the same with things like Park Run. People get obsessed with um, their Park Run positions and you know, age-related rankings and things like this. And it, it feeds into other things like, um, you know, Instagram, YouTube, you know, Instagram, people are obsessed with how many followers they have on Instagram, how popular they are, you know, how many likes they get on Facebook or YouTube or whatever it is, you know, how many followers you get on TikTok these days, isn't it? That's the, the thing. So I think youngsters really get into that thing. And, and the great thing about athletics is unlike something like football or netball or rugby, you can provide that sort of statistical analysis, that detail, you know, so they ha can have that, that, all those rankings and performance things that they can try to edge themselves up the performance tables and things like that. So it, I think it's got a lot of good things going for it. Um, on the bad side, as I say, people get a bit worried about performance and it's also, everything's about power of 10. So, you know, going to a league fixture to support the team becomes less important because um, it's not so much about the team, it's about me. Um, so, you know. It's quite hard, quite hard now as well to blag you, blag you away into a race as well, which, which in, in, in days gone by used to be a subtle art in terms of blagging your way onto a, into a race, you know. What, what time have you run this year? Oh, well, I've run around so-and-so. When did you yeah. do that? Where, you know, I did it in training and I've done it there. Oh, are you sure? Yeah, 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 I've done that. Yeah, all right, then you can be in the apex. Knowing quite full well you've never done it was well, now it's so easy you know it's hard to lie now isn't it which you know yeah yeah people, people there it's all it's all on you know people are, yeah your signing desk and you you got your ipad there and you say you've run this i can't see you find this on your profile <laughs> oh maybe i'm mistaken 
Maybe I got the numbers the wrong way round. It's funny you mention the uh, the park runs because I I don't know if you've heard this, Dave. But there's a rumor going around that there is someone in the club that actually has two park run barcodes. One which he uses for when he's racing properly, and one when he's unfit and he's just he's just running around. Yeah. Because he doesn't want his rubbish oh, times yeah. to appear on his park run rankings. Yeah, reinforces my point. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more than one. So. Yeah, I, I've only heard of one, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say who it is. You're not going to out them here and now. I, I, no. Mm. Maybe we'll get yeah. them on the podcast. And uh... <laughs> it's not Dave Reader then. No, it's not Dave. No, no definitely not me. No, it's a he though, is it? You've given a bit of a clue away though. Yeah, I've given you a clue. It's a he. Yeah. Intriguing. Maybe we should run a podcast competition. Guess who the two barcode middle distance uh-huh. runner is, and you can win. I don't know, a pair of trainers. Definitely not the trainers. Yeah. <laughs> so long as you're a size nine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great trainers. We've done more than five thousand miles in these. <laughs> yeah. But you do a lot. In the, you've done a lot in the past, and do a lot in terms of in terms of the club and the schools. How's that changed in Greenwich? And how strong do you think athletics in Greenwich is in the schools? Um, it's 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 okay. Um, you get schools change uh, with the change of personnel. So, you know, you, if you've got a PE teacher who's well into athletics, you'll get good school teams come out and they, they move school or somebody else comes into the borough. Um, you know, it used to be uh, Thomas Tallis and Woolwich Potty would win, win everything. And um, now you get um, other schools getting involved in, instead, you know. So um, it's, but it's, it's still reasonably healthy. Uh, I think um, you don't get as much after schools practice. So when you get to sort of, you know, uh, championships standards uh, in the field events, especially tend to be lacking a little bit because they haven't really done the sort of, you know, they all, they can all run hundred meters. They can all flog mm. themselves around 800 meters. When it actually comes to sort of hit the board and the long jump or throw a discus or something like that, they, they tend to be lacking. Um, so that sort of technical side, the technical events will struggle. Um, and that, that, you know, influences the number of kids coming into the club who want to do those events as well. You know, everybody wants to be sprinters. So are we, are we struggling now to, to get those kids into the club to do those events? Yeah, I, I, it's the technical events, you know, hurdles, jumps, throws, you know, um, you know, we've got a decent set of coaches when people get here, um, but they've got to turn up with that interest, you know. And the other, the other thing is, you, you know, you've got, you know, I've, I've got 20 sprinters in my group if they all turned up at the same time. Um, what I'd like to do is sort of, you know, push a couple of those towards long jump or hurdles, you know, introduce it to those events and hopefully sort of kindle a bit of um, interest because they're going to be back of the group um, if they just keep on sprinting, really. Uh, I think sometimes as coaches we have to be, instead of being a little bit sort of uh, narrow focus you have to sort of think about branching people out into other events the other, the yeah, other I thing I mean when I was young I was running 400 metres and basically my coach told me um, you won't make it at 400 metres you won't make you won't be very good you're best thinking about moving up it took a couple of years for me to believe it but yeah 
yeah. sometimes that's needed, isn't it? I mean, and to be fair, if I don't, if he wouldn't have pushed me, I maybe wouldn't have made that jump into sort of becoming more middle-listened mm-hmm. than, than forging middle yeah. And he was right. I think he was right. I think it was the right position. And I think I probably wouldn't, I have done better at middle-listened than I would have at four. But it does require someone to sort of you know, nudge people in directions, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think, I mean, there was a couple of conversations on previous podcasts about um, uh, people dropping out and retention and things like that. Mm. Uh, I think that's the other place you should go. That you know, it's, it's always, I always think it's good that people have got more than one event that they work on. So if one thing's not going so well, or they get to sort of almost to their limit on that, but they've got something else as a sort of second string, they, they've got something that is improving. You know, athletics is a lot about, you know, as long as you're making little improvements, you're, you're still enthusiastic. It's when you just flat line, that that's, that's when the sort of the enthusiasm dies, I think, sometimes. Um, and it's, it's, it's tough because you come into the sport as, I don't know, 13 years old and something like that. And, and each year you'll improve just because you're getting bigger, stronger and things like that. Then when you get to about sort of 15, 16, you get interrupted by GCSEs. You know, so you have two months off for your GCSEs and you come back, you've lost all your fitness and your, your performances are lower than where they were before. So there's big sort of um, problems of that sort of age. And that's where... You know, as a coach, you've got to look at a second event. So people have got, as I say, they've got something else they can work on, improve on. So they've always got something, you know, it's the same as being on Instagram. You've got more likes. or So, so this is always uh, reinforcing things, rewarding you for doing this and that. So, um, yeah, that's where you've got to look at. You know, it's not just necessarily, you know, your race performance. You look at skill improvement or improvement on sort of... Um, different sort of training things, you know, how, you, how long you're standing long jumpers and that's improved or something like that. So you've got different things in place to, so it's always something that people feel they're doing well on. So that's, I think, you know, that's the best you can do to try and keep people interested and motivated. Yeah. It's, it's, athletics is a tough sport because it's, it, as you get older, the improvements, you have to work so much harder for the, just the small improvements. I think that's it. I mean, I think I think it's a challenging. It's, it's always a challenging sport, and certainly as you get older. And, and sometimes I feel <clears throat> I'm not sure it chimes with the modern thought process of things don't come quickly in athletics. It's a, mm. a very slow burn. Certainly, if you want to get good at something, and I'm not sure it's always the message people want to hear. No, I think I think the kids recognise. Yeah, they have to wait for a race. To do to do well, um, yeah. But I think you know you, everything is sort of um, immediate reward sometimes with what you get. Um, but it is the sport. Um, you know, you get things like I mean, at race meetings. You know, uh, the old days when you get the results sort of two or three days later um, have gone. And now you know, when I don't have any races. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was running, uh, the results would get stuck up on the wall about sort of an hour after you've run or something like that, and you just have to hang around for there. <clears throat> and now, sort of at Lee Valley, it's um, you know the, the race results will go up on a screen roughly thirty seconds after a race, and we're now looking at a system whereby when that happens, they don't only go up on the screen; they go up on the internet as well, so you know people can access things immediately. Yeah, it can't be as good as the old days where you had to pay 50p for a sheet of paper 
And that, and that was after an hour after the event. 50p for results sheet. That, them were the days, weren't they? Oh, right. So I thought that was a sheet of paper for, to use the toilets, um, Dave. <laughs> Well, you didn't bother with toilet paper, not when I'm not, not having a good old day. Uh, you're up in North, isn't it? They were hard. Yeah. One, of the, uh, one, of the, one of the key uh, skills of an athlete is how to have a crap with no loo roll. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll save that for another podcast, Dave. Yeah. So when, I, when I was racing, it was always, when I got to a new track, the, the first thing you sussed out was where the toilets were, you know. It was definitely, you know, where you can get a bit, bit of peace and quiet for a while and... Uh, uh, prepare yourself physically. I, I remember going to Widdenshaw in the 90s. Was it the 90s? Uh, no, maybe, yeah, I think 90s, maybe early, early thousands. And it was a BMC meeting, Grand Prix. We travelled down uh, on, on an afternoon to get to this meeting. And when we got there, I, th I think Widdenshaw track is now closed. I remember there was an enormous amount of people and there was one lavvy, one toilet for like 300 athletes. <laughs> it, was the, it was the most... Um, uh, let's say disgusting start to a race you ever had, but, but there was no other way around it. You had to use it, and uh, they were the glory days for the sport. <laughs> so, Mick, with your chairman's hat on, it's been an interesting year in terms of we've had a couple of the members have had a. First of all, we've become a charity. They've had to decide on that. Like mm -hmm. to know your thoughts on that, and of course, secondly, they've also been asked about a name change. Like to know your thoughts on mm -hmm. two of those things. Quite, quite an interesting year. Yeah, has, yeah. I mean, I think the charity thing is is a good way forward. Um, just it puts us in a better position in terms of trying to sort of get some uh, sponsorship and, and things like that. Uh, also, as a, a legal entity, it puts us in a better position. We had a the clubhouses in Bexley's always been the ownership of that's always been clouded in the midst of time, and um, I think we more or less um, sorted that one out. So I think that's definitely a good way forward. Um, name change thing, obviously um, lots of different opinions in the club, um, pros and cons uh, on, on both sides, really. Um, I'm club chairman, so I'm not going to express an opinion right now. I have to be professional um, in these things. Um, well, you could have the casting vote. Uh, possibly, and and then my views will become known. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, the hope because the AGM etc. got suspended. That that you know the intention at the moment is when things calm down, COVID-wise, we have a an a well, we have the AGM, um, which it's almost sort of wind up the last year of Cambridge Harriers, and then we have a an NNSGM as a special general meeting straight after when the we take votes on the, the club name and the club badge issues. Dean, we haven't asked your views on this, have we? So, say again? I uh, said so we haven't no. asked Dean's views on these two topics. My views are... They stumped it now. My views are... I, 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 like the, I like the name as it is, I think. I know we're nowhere near Cambridge, but people knows, know, know of us as that club that have got a name that doesn't have anything to do with where we are. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't see any reason to to change it. I mean, I don't think that um, we'd get, you know, a massive influx of new members just because we've changed the name. I think that, you know, 
it's still down to us as a club to kind of, you know, put ourselves out there in the borough, um, which is, you know, something that Mick is or has been doing for a number of years. Um, and, you know, maybe we just need a few more people helping out along the way. Um, can't just, you know, rely on Mick and, you know, the people that he's, you know, he's had over the last few years. You know, we need to, to get some new people involved and, yeah, try and help, try and help along that way. Um, yeah, I don't think changing them. So as, so as, a, so as a young, young, young kid, as, as somebody new who's looking for a club, why would that appeal to you? Uh, I don't think it would appeal to me, but I think maybe if the club had a TikTok account and a Snapchat account... <laughs> I think that like the whole, yeah, the, I don't know. I, I think there's other things that we can be doing to, to try and get more people into the club than, than changing the name. I don't think that it's as straightforward as, you know, changing the name and, you know, that's it. That's, you know, that's the solution. I think it's a, a lot more work needed than that. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think there is an awful lot more needed, but um, I think, and maybe we'll return to this, as maybe we'll have a feature special on it so we can have for and against. Um, but I, I certainly think when you compare it against, you know, the market we're in of trying to get new people, um, I, I, think it, I, I think it really holds us back. My view is it holds us back quite a lot. Um, and you, I, can, I think you still can have a respect if it's history you're worried about you can still have a respect for that in many ways um, but I think um, you, you need to evolve and show to be contemporary and modern in terms of who you're trying to attract well, so I'm, I'm biting my tongue I'm not saying anything no, it's, not coming in, it's not coming in here it's a, it's a good one for, for a debate I think that maybe once uh once this is over, we should have uh, a live podcast. <laughs> we can just debate this one issue. Yeah. <laughs> Get it down the clubhouse or mic ourselves up and oh, there, exactly. there goes the alarm again. No, it can't be someone moaning about it already because they've not even heard it yet. <laughs> Somebody ringing up to say. <laughs> oh, that's right, Mick. Put them on. Hello, you're on the uh, Powell Athletics podcast. <laughs> what are your views on the changing name? I'm ringing up to complain about that Dave Reader. It's an absolute bloody outrage. I don't pay my license fee for this rubbish. What do you want to talk about? You can choose your number before I uh, go and get a beer. What do you want to? What do I want to talk about? Yeah. Oh, crikey. Flag someone off. Come on, give us some juicy. Uh... Well, um, uh, I have to say, I've got this a bit of a, um, a bit of a compliment. Dave Reader done a real good job in um, getting the club some money. Actually, there's a part of the COVID recovery plan. It was a um, rates. If you got paid business rates in the borough, um, you were in the sports and leisure industry, you could get a grant, and nobody knew about it, and Dave found it, and. Um, we emailed um, Bexley Council where our clubhouse is and um, two days later we got £10,000. 
So um, oh, that's right. off to Dave. Great result. Oh, get in there, Dave. Well done. Yeah, yeah, I think we agreed, Mick, am I on 10% commission for everything I bring in? <laughs> You're on the same commission as me, Dave. Right? Um, <laughs> but I think, I mean, the club's, club's finances, you know, we, we were looking at a big hole because of the whole thing. You know, we're looking at whether we charge subs next year and, and things like that because there's been no competitions this year. So, I mean, I think we were predicting a, a sort of deficit at about 12 grand or something like that because we haven't been able to hold a sort of... Um, all the BMC meetings, all the sort of money fundraising things we've had and subs and stuff like that. So um, that's, that 10 grand is really going to um, dig us out of the hole, which is um, excellent news. Yeah. yeah, we just need to get all the members who haven't joined this year to... Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, uh, things have got to go through committee, actually, what we do with that money. Precisely, so I, I don't want to sort of jump the gun on stuff, but um, hopefully it will um, encourage people to join. But they got they get reduced rate at the track now. We'll encourage them to pay their subs if they, um, and things like that. What else do I want to talk about? Well, oh, team competitions, future of team competitions. That's always a good one, isn't it? Let's finish on that. Finish on that. Okay. So it's it's a tough one because I. I've always enjoyed team competitions, um, but I'm not sure everybody else does. I think there's that, you know, a lot of people come into the sport just because they like it. It's an individual sport. Um, but then other people get roped into the whole team thing and being part of a club. You know, uh, if, if you're not into the team stuff, is there a point of being part of a club and things like that? So it's, it's, it's a difficult one. And, you know, and I've heard sort of some of the comments in, in, uh, in terms of the length of the meeting the support for meetings and things like that whether they're worthwhile um, or you know the alternative is you just run a series of open meetings and things like that but then I also look at you know you look at the BMC meetings last summer and where the BMC are running the eights and the fifteens you get great support but you know we put on a hundred and a four hundred and you get sort of um, three people turn up for each so I'm not sure there's the appetite from athletes for open meetings either it's a bit of a um, yeah, I haven't got the answer. I think, from, though, I think what, what's happened, and this is different, is it, that athletes, um, they're shaped by the event group. So the sprint meetings that take place seem to be very popular, as, as our, our indoor sprints are, which, which I know yeah. you all have, which, which, which seems to be very, going very well. And the sprint meetings down at places like um, Newham seem to be very popular. And the event, so the event discipline meetings are popular. But not so. I can't. The BMCs down at Suckler are popular because it's with the middle distance crowd and the distance crowd. They haven't got a following for the sprinters now. Whether that's because the track isn't considered quick enough for them, or there isn't just there isn't enough good athletes attract good athletes. Don't that's the thing. And and, and you've you've got to get that cycle building. Yeah, I mean, I think the way Sutcliffe is laid out you normally get a headwind so it's it's yeah, that's one of the reasons it won't be popular yeah. for the sprinters whereas at Newham or Lee Valley they can turn it around um, so you always get the wind behind you <coughs> yeah but I also think you know the team competitions are important in terms of being a club you know whether you're a Kent League cross country or you're a Southern League on the track or something like that or uh, YDL match um, and I think that sort of um, team ethos is, is, is important in the overall scheme of things. And I think 
without that sort of team stuff, you also lose, you know, sort of some of the people who come into coaching or come into officiating do so because they want to support the club rather than they just want to sort of support individuals. Mm. So I think there's a danger that if you throw away the sort of whole team element, that you might lose some of that recruitment of people who, who make the sport work, basically. I mean, I agree with you. I think the, the, the team thing is really important. It's how you develop that, isn't it? And I know you, you manage the uh, SAL team. Uh, yeah. and it must be blooming hard on, on, uh, on some of the Saturdays, Sundays, to do that. And especially when you're scrabbling around to get a team together and it's just not coming together. Yeah. And then the difficult thing is, of course, then, you know, again, it's success, breeds success, isn't it? People want to be part of a team that's got energy and, and has got success. And if you, if you sure. have, it's hard to get people along to that. And it's how you, it's how you break that cycle. For me, the format of the SEL doesn't work. This isn't, our, this isn't your fault. It's not our fault. It's, it's just yeah. our fault. But the, the, it just is not an attractive proposition, is it? It's just long and dreary. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the... There's, there's, there's sort of two issues which which make that happen, and, and, and that's the sort of the, the the field events and the long track events. You know, that's what kind of drag out the program. So I think they, you know, if they want it to continue, I think you have to alternate the throws. You know, um, you have to alternate. You know, one match you have 5k, the other match you have um, chase or 3k, but you don't have both. Um, you know, and same with the 8 and 15 and things like that. Same with long jump, triple jump. You, know, you have to sort of reduce the program down a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's about when the SAL started, they sort of merged the men's and women's events. So, because it used to be just a Southern Men's League, Southern Women's League, you now they put them both together. But then that just, you know, you've then got to have sort of six long throws competitions, and that's sort of, you know, you allow an hour for each. That's six hours. For I don't think it makes any better, is it? No. Well, I. I I think having a mixed crowd works quite well, um, but the, the timetable doesn't. Um, to me, you know, you take out you know one of the hurdles, so you have four hurdles at one match, sprint hurdles at the next match. And if you do that, then you can take it down to a sort of three to four hour program, which is more than people's. You know, if you go, well, I don't know if you play football or rugby, you know, your actual match time is going to be an hour and forty-five, something like that, with time each side. So that's sort of same sort of ballpark, three hours maybe. Um, I think that um, that might work. I think the other thing with that is though, like if you do drop certain events, like one athlete might only be there to do that one event. And if that one event only happens, you know, every other match or every third match or something, then you're almost, you know, kind of taking them away from being part of the team kind of thing maybe yeah you do i mean a lot of people sort of double up so you know if, if you're running if you have 800 one match 1500 the next especially if you allow guests in it as well you know then people yeah. get a race and they know in advance what their season's going to be same with ones and twos you know staying you know the throws i mean some of the throws are specialists certainly you know um, yeah i think that's been like the specialist events of like real technical stuff like the jumps and yeah the throws you don't find, you know, a javelin thrower throwing the hammer as well, kind of thing. No, not unless his name's throwing anything. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. But, Athletics is things like the SAL. We're running a competition format that is twenty years out of date. 
I mean, this worked in the 70s, and so probably the 80s and 90s were leagues. We haven't always had leagues. Make sure you can vote, you can be a testament. Leagues came along in the, in the 80s mainly because the pot sport was pop, really popular and we could get teams out for all these events. The fact is, we're still running a format where there isn't the athletes to support it. There just is not the numbers to support the format. And it's, mm. this sport is 20 years out of date on that format. But we talk about it, but change is so slow in athletics. Um, I mean, for me, the steeplechase in an SAL is just ridiculous. For both men and women now, unfortunately, there's hardly any men that can do a steeplechase. And there's even fewer women that can do it. Yet it takes up, what, what over half an hour in the, in the programme if you're going to run both of them? And for me, that, yeah. stuff like that has got to be cut out. If you're a good steeplechaser, you can find steeplechase races to do, but it, you ain't going to get a good race in an SAL. And I think, as you say, there's not that many out there. So I think somebody has to bite the bullet and say, well, yeah, let's just not have it. You know, let's put on the occasional open meeting which has got a chase in it. And those people who are desperate to run a chase will go there and probably find a better race because there are other... You know, steeplechases are there. I mean, it's like the walks. You know, the, the walks are part of athletics, but they're not in the, the track and field program. So it doesn't mm -hmm. say, there's nothing to say that steeplechase or hammer or 110 hurdles have to be in the SAL program. You know, it's, uh, you know, somebody's just got to... There's, there's, there's too many people afraid of upsetting somebody else. Um, but, you know, if you alternate events, then you've got a way of, of trying to keep everybody happy. But the fact is, you're right, and you're right, so we carry on with the steeplechase. And if you're a stranger and you bring someone down to an SAL match and you, you arrive at the track and, and the steeplechase is going on, you could be stood at the, uh, the track saying, oh, what's happening today? Oh, there's a race on. Is there? What, what race is on? It's on now. Look, look in the far corner, there's, there's steeplechase is on. I mean, that's how bad it is. And there can be tumbleweed blowing across the track. I mean, it just is not a good advert for the sport, for me. Um, I think like the leagues aren't competitive enough anymore either because I mean it used to be like I'll oh, do the steeplechase for a point but like now like there's very few league matches that are won or lost by a single point so for the sake of a point it's not really making much difference anymore whereas before when the leagues were more competitive yeah it may actually make a point if you know <laughs> no one else or you know two other teams haven't got anyone running in it and you pick up five points rather than yeah one, it, it, it makes a difference, but now with the leagues not being as competitive, it, it just, it's almost pointless. But again, with the steeplechase, I still think, you know, people need their opportunities, but that's not up to a Southern Athletics League to give chasers a proper race. I mean, you know, we need to have BMCs or specific open meetings for steeplechasers to have competitive races. Yeah. So dropping it from an SAL when there's only a couple of people running it each match anyway, it's yeah, you might as well yeah. get rid of it. Yeah. Um, the thing is, you you got to um, somebody's got to propose it to the SAL AGM and get enough people there to vote on it on the day. Um, uh, right, that's what kills it, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's democracy for you. Yeah. So anyway, so. Team competitions, yes, I think they've still got a part to play. I, I still enjoy them. You know, I'm still infused by them. Um, but I think for some, yeah, it needs some sort of uh, work to make it more attractive. Um, certainly.
I think the idea that someone had of just having, you know, a local, a local match. Obviously, you last week. That's my idea. Don't nick it later. That's my idea. No, no, no. But uh, God, it brings in ten grand, and now look, (laughs) that's my idea as well. (laughs) But yeah, I think yeah, having a yeah a local, you know, Kent League, that that would be more appealing than a Southern League. Well, it, and then if all, if all the counties me, started doing their own leagues... If you said to me, all right, well, Friday night, there's a Friday night, there's a meeting on tonight, which, you know, if, if it was normal, and it's, it's us versus Bexley versus Dartford. And there's a, there's a one, there's a four, there's a 15, there's a couple of throws. And that's it. It's on for two hours between seven and nine o'clock. And it's a match. Yeah. It could be men and women. Um, to me, you know, that's, uh, you know, that sounds quite a good match. That sounds something I'd want to go and watch. Uh, local rivalry, team competition, um, you know, you know, you, you know the teams you're, you're shouting for. Um, and I think athletes would rise to that as well. I think, you know, athletes would find that. But yeah. when you go down on Saturday for an SAL and you might have, I don't know, you might have a team from Devon, you might have a team from Sussex, a team from Essex or whatever. I don't know, half of them are. And, and for me, the spectacle isn't there. And, and, there's, got to, and there's got to be some spectacle. I mean, the Vets League is almost operates on that um, sort of, is it normally a Monday night or a Friday night, but that tends to be a drawn out affair as well, to be honest with you. And, that, and they just do selected events each time, but then they sort of add in seven age groups and it's men's the age and women's. Mm. And it just, it just then loses its, um, its weight, really. Um, and also, yeah, it's I mean, it's Dodgers. Did... <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. Yeah. What? Also, there's no beer tent in the uh, SAL or on the Southern Vets League. That's what we're missing out on a beer tent. Sounds like well, a good think, idea. Maybe. That would make things more lively. I I'm glad they turn up to an SAL if there was a beer tent. I, I shall. Next time I'm short of someone <laughs> for the 5K, Tina, I'll lay it on for you, mate. <laughs> um, that, that, I have to say, actually, um, <laughs> just. Um, uh, going back, Dave, you mentioned earlier me managing the SAL team. Um, yeah. I'm not. Um, Amari has taken over the men's side of the SAL team this year. Oh, um, there we go. What a... What a not, not these, he's Making not had a very busy score. year, as we said. Can I just check, has he agreed to it? <laughs> or is this going to be news to him? <laughs> he was voted in. He might not have been there at the time, but he was. <laughs> So, Amari, if you're listening, you've got a new job. <laughs> Give Mick a ring. Yeah. So, he's had a nice, easy year this year. So, next year, he should, he should be, you know, got the hang of it and be um, absolutely flying. Yeah, Thanks thank for coming Mick. along, Mick. Yeah, uh, more than welcome. Enjoyed it. Um, uh, I've been listening to the other ones and um, screaming at the screen uh, sometimes, saying, what the bloody hell are you talking about? Um, so... Um, <laughs> Glad to be able to come on and voice my opinions to you face to face. So it's well, fun. it won't be the last time. It'd be great if you have me back. Thanks once again to Mick Bond for joining myself and Dave on this week's episode. If you want to be on a future episode of the podcast, or if there's something that you think me and Dave should be discussing, then please email us. The address is powwowpod at gmail.com. Please also follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page.
Thanks for listening, everyone. See you again next week.